0: Welcome to the Orthodontics in Summary podcast, where Farouk brings you the key points and understanding of orthodontic webinars, conferences, and papers in a concise podcast with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Hello all, and welcome to this episode of Orthodontics in Summary. Today's lecture is entitled Transposition, Accept, Extract, or Correct. This was a lecture by Roberto Cialantini from Italy. Now, I like this lecture. He had a brief introduction and it was followed by two cases of transposition and the methods and tips to look at for when managing them. The definition of a transposition, as Roberto stated, was where two adjacent teeth have interchanged their position in the arch. The classification was by Peck, which stated simply the true transposition is where the root and crown are transposed and false transposition where it's only related to the crown. Now, Roberto stated up until 2003 looking at the literature, majority of orthodontists were accepting transpositions at that stage actually beyond 2003, most orthodontists seemed to be correcting transpositions which was an interesting change in the culture of clinical practice now the first case was the classic transposition of a maxillary canine and premolar he described the clinical treatment factors involved in managing this case. He spoke about interceptive cares, perhaps being our first port of call. He mentioned a study looking at rapid maxillary expansion and the spontaneous correction of the maxillary canine premolar transposition. And actually, this study by Mesoporo in 2016 showed an 86% correction in their clinical trial. The second point that he mentioned was of premolar camouflage. Now, this was interesting. If we were to accept the transposition, what would be the aesthetic consequence? Now, there is no direct literature that addresses the subject for transpositions, but there was a study by Sandler in 2017 that looked at premolars in the canine position and showed from an aesthetic perspective both professionals and laypeople couldn't tell the difference. However, Roberto argued it is different for the transposition case and it relates to the canine occupying the first premolar position. He described the gingival heights as being the key issue of the aesthetics. He mentioned that the canine gingival zenith is higher than that of the premolar. So we get a step in the gingival height between the premolar, which is replacing the canine in position, going up high to the canine, now in the premolar position, and then low again to the second premolar. And He described things we need to do to correct this. First of all, we need to check the patient's smile line. And if they have a low smile line, well, we'll have most likely acceptable aesthetics from the patient. The second is to alter the position of the first premolar in that canine position. If we were to intrude that first premolar, we would then also take the gingival zenith high and therefore remove the step between the first premolar and also the canine occupying the first premolar position. Of course, this may then require a build-up to the premolar to make the tooth look longer itself. The second case Roberta described was also of the first premolar canine transposition. However, in this clinical scenario, the canine was still high compared to the first premolar. And that presents a real challenge for our conventional mechanics, as the tooth itself is high and we can't attach it to the arch wire in a conventional sense. So how did Roberto resolve this? Well, it was interesting. He used a sectional piece of arch wire. This went from the first molar and went past the canine, didn't engage it, and went to the first premolar, which of course is occupying the canine position the wire was then bent around this first premolar vertically and then went back on itself to engage the canine now when this wire is activated the direction is to intrude the canine and also mesialize the canine at the same time something robert had described as the burstone class 6 geometry and i'm afraid my erring in stating this shows my unfamiliarity with burstone's mechanics But the real advantage from this was that it would allow intrusion and mesialization to take place without having to have conventional arch wire mechanics. And it factored in the vertical position of the canine. Now, of course, there are other components to factor. And Roberto described the torque is the key point in this situation. We've got to keep the root palatal off the canine, even if the crown is buckle. He described a few ways of doing this. One was to apply a second wire. The first wire is applying the force to mesialize and intrude the tooth. And the second wire to keep the crown where it is, therefore preventing any changes in torque and would keep the pal- palatal position of the root. The second is to use an auxiliary spring, such as a Warren spring or a Goodman spring. And the 2nd third aspect is to put torque into the arch wire itself, However, it was mentioned to be aware that in doing so, there's always buccal root torque on the adjacent teeth which gets inserted. So one should be aware of this and perhaps consider using an auxiliary spring. Roberto concluded by describing transpositions in the mandibular arch and how they are less demanding as the aesthetics are decreased from a patient's requirement perspective. And he described when we are considering the lower arch, we have to bear in mind that the buccal lingual alveolar bone thickness is very limited. We need to factor that into our mechanics. That's the end of this lecture. hope you guys have enjoyed it. Please do subscribe and of course look forward to the next episode.